one. First of all, it's our last Sunday morning breakfast and learn program of the season, of winter's man of the season. We're taking a break now for Pesach. Uh, we have, uh, after this week, we're going to have two weeks left for Pesach, where this is the final approach to Pesach. So um, we will resume our Sunday morning breakfast and learn program after Pesach, Mir Sashem. Um, so that's, first of all, this is our wrap-up and, and round-up uh, recap of uh, a very nice winter's man of... Uh, Sunday morning breakfast and learn programs with our, our new format with the Harusas and the, and, and the uh, breakfast and learning discussions. And uh, looking forward to uh, continuing after Pesach, resuming and continuing a lot of uh, energy and action. And it's also a very special Sunday morning breakfast and learn program because this morning's um, <clears throat> final edition has been sponsored by the J. Carp Foundation in honor of J. Carp's birthday. It's J. Carp's, what, how old is he? Who knows how old he is today? How old is he? 68. 68. Oh, we have some very good friends of Jay Carp present with us. So shout out to, to Mr. Carp himself and to all his friends, everyone that come to, came to celebrate his birthday. Hashem should give him good health uh, to celebrate many birthdays till 120. <clears throat> Even though, unfortunately, Jay Carp himself is unable to be with us this morning because I hear he hurt his leg or something, injured his leg. Okay, he had a better party. Well, he had a better party. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. It doesn't get better than this, guys. Um, Okay, we got, we got Reese's Puffs there in the back. doesn't have Reese's Puffs, Jay, wherever he is. Okay, so thanks again to Jay Carp and the Jay Carp Foundation for sponsoring this morning's Breakfast and Learn. And now let's get to uh, the topic at hand, which is Badikas Chametz. So just a few, a few quick points we'll speak out. Uh, everyone was busy here this morning with Badikas Chametz. Uh, we saw the first few halachas that talk about the time, the appropriate time to do Badikas Chametz, how you do Badikas Chametz, where you do Badikas Chametz, and what you're looking for. What are we looking for when we do Badikas Chametz? So just speak out a few a very, I think, practical um, points and ideas over here to expand on what we learned this morning. First of all, in terms of the time. So we saw, you know, the, the Shulchan Aruch is quite um, insistent on this. Uh, that in the beginning of the night is the time of Badikas Chametz. The beginning of the night. Now it's interesting that other, there's, other, there's a lot of mitzvahs that we do at night. There's a lot of nighttime mitzvahs. Uh, on Purim, you lay in the Megillah at night. That's a nighttime mitzvah. Uh, Krishma is a nighttime mitzvah. There's a lot of mitzvahs that are done at night. There's daytime mitzvahs and nighttime mitzvahs. Generally, in nighttime mitzvah, the time that you have to do the mitzvah is all night long. And yeah, okay, there's an idea by any nighttime mitzvah. There's reason, Makdim, you should do the sooner the better. Try to do it as soon as you can. But, you know, the time is all night long. The, the, the Shulchan Aruch seems to, seems to make it sound like that, that Vedikas Chametz might be a little different. It may not be that the time is all night long. The time may be as soon as the night starts. He says, At the beginning of the 14th, that's when you check the Chametz. The beginning. He didn't say at night, Lel, which is what the Mishnah says. Or La Arba'asar. Nighttime is when you check. He says the beginning of the night. So there's a whole big discussion uh, in, amongst the, the contemporary place come about this. Um, it goes back, actually, it's a discussion that goes back to uh, medieval um, commentators as well. And that is, you know, how did Chazal, our sages, how did they structure the mitzvah of B'dikas Chametz? Is it a regular nighttime mitzvah and it can be done all night long, but just like any nighttime mitzvah, the reason Makdim do it, the sooner the better. Don't push it off, you might forget. Don't push it off, you might fall asleep. Do it as soon as you can. But really, the Zman is all night long. Or maybe they structure B'dikas Chametz differently and the Zman, the, the time frame for B'dikas Chametz is immediately as soon as the night begins. That's really when they instituted the mitzvah, the beginning of the night, which would make it different, exceptional to all the other nighttime mitzvahs. So they're really, uh, they're, if you look, look through the Mishnah and the Bir Halacha, the Shulchan Aruch, there seems to be indicators going one way, indicators going the other way. 
we, um, in general, do try to be cautious in, 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 in assuming that this might be an exceptional nighttime mitzvah and, and it starts immediately. And it is recommendable to really try to take this seriously. It, it does make practical difference in halacha. A, a, a mitzvah, which is a nighttime mitzvah, which you can do all night, which is generally all nighttime mitzvahs, you, the time frame is all night long. If I'm unable to do it right away, I, I want to have like a, a little bit of a buffer, not to do it right away, so as long as you get someone to remind you. It's called a shimer. Appoint someone to remind you, do it later, so you can, you can actually push off. That's Shema, um, Megillah, other mitzvahs, you can have someone remind you. That may not work for Badikas Chametz. Appointing someone to remind you, do it later, may not work. You say, well, you know, I have a concert right now, I have an event, I have a birthday party, I'll do it later. I'll do it, you know, 11 p.m., midnight, I'll do it 1 a.m., it may not work, actually, to have someone appoint you to remind you later. If it was instituted to do immediately, if you've got to do it immediately, you've got to do it immediately, and there's nothing to talk about. In general, it is, you know, some, it is, it, it, this is a mitzvah that can sometimes fall to the wayside in terms of not... Everyone does it. We all do it. But in terms of not being so um, alacritous and so vigilant to make sure we do it right away, it's something is worthwhile and recommendable to really... Everyone should try to do it right away. Now, right away means... As soon as it's nightfall, nightfall generally means we wait 42 minutes. If somebody waits 72 minutes for all practices in halacha, then you can wait 72 minutes for Vedikas Chametz as well. But if you only wait 72 minutes to consider it nightfall, let's say for, for Maitzah Shabbos, then one should do it as soon as it's 42 minutes. You should come home and, and, and do your Vedikas Chametz. And really, it is something to take very seriously. Um, because it may be, again, just the, 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 this is an interesting point to wrap our heads around, Vedikas Chametz, Shekhar Chametz may be exceptional to nighttime mitzvahs. It may not be a nighttime mitzvah, it may be a right away mitzvah, right away, do this right away. That's how perhaps it was instituted. And the, 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 the Taz and others really hold that this is how it was structured. It's something that you should do seriously. At the same time, you got to be careful not to start it too early. Because again, the time of Dikas Hametz is nightfall. And nightfall, generally here in America, even with, with the most leading opinion, we, we, we don't consider it to be nightfall the next day, halachically, until it's been 42 minutes. So we try to dive in Meyer first, and they have a Meyer over here in CBS, right by Shkia. One has to be careful, as much as we're promoting doing the Bedikas Chametz right away, don't do it as soon as you get home, because you dive in Meyer here at Shkia. In Gudas Hachem, they dive in Meyer right at Shkia. So you're going to get home 20 minutes after Shkia, 15 minutes after Shkia. That's not Tesa Kachavim yet. So, as alacritous as we want to be in doing the Bedika, Betchias Halayla, at the same time, it still has to be halachically the 14th of Nisan, the night before Pesach. You have to wait till nightfall, so look at the clock. You should try to start exactly at 42 minutes, but don't start before 42 minutes. It's, then you're, you're starting too early, okay? So it's a little bit of a balance that has to be struck over there. Again, we should be careful about this, stringent, and, 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 and just, you know, alert the lacrodus to do it as soon as we can, but not too early. Um, I think in the past, the Kailo, when was the Kailo Meyer? We make a Meyer by Tseis, I think, right? What do we do in the past? I think there was a Meir of Baitseis in the past. Okay, so stay tuned for that. It'll be announced. What do you do if you come up and, and your wife says she's not ready? Right. Wait, what is it? What, 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 what do you want to say to your wife? The halacha is, you know, Ravelli Bear is pointing out, the halacha is you don't do Badikas Chametz until the house has been cleaned up because you're, 
Bedikas chametz is not cleaning the house. Bedikas chametz is making sure that nothing was overlooked in the cleaning of the house, making sure nothing was left behind. So the house has to be clean. You know, he comes upstairs to the kids' bedrooms and there's, there's dirty clothes all over the floor and the pillows and blankets everywhere. And downstairs, the, the house is a mess, the living room is a mess, and the dining room is a mess. So the house is not ready for Bedikas chametz. So what should you do? Then you're going to have to wait. You're, it's nothing to do about it. But I would suggest preemptively playing this shear for your wife when you get home today. She has two weeks now. She has three weeks. She has three weeks, really, to get busy. They're two and a half weeks. So uh, the best thing is to, uh, you know, be ahead of the game. But if you come home and it's not ready, it's like you came home and you, got, you were locked out of the house. There's nothing to do about it. You know, that's why I just said, Badika's Nechamitz is not clean the house. But the house has to be in a state of, that, that I, can, I can search for the chametz. I mean, if I can't see the floor, I can't check for chametz. Right? Um, okay. So again, that's just a pitch for making it as soon as we can. Not too early, not before it says, but we don't want to get in, involved in other activities. Even if we say, yeah, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. Because it's possible that Bedikas Chamitz is a mitzvah that was instituted in And that's really, again, what the Shulchan Aruch sounds like. Bedikas Chamitz, the beginning of the night, that's the Zman for Bedikas Chamitz. Okay, in terms of the um, how, how do we do it? So the, the Shulchan Aruch, his, 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 his Lashon over here, the way he, he presents it is really um, a, a quote from the Mishnah, you check by candlelight, by candlelight. So, uh, you know, candlelight, that's, that, that makes B'dikas Chamitz a very exciting activity, especially with your, your little kids, they love to see that flickering flame, and the image everyone has in their mind, the stereotypical image, is the father walking through, you know, shut off all the lights in the house, the very darkened house, you're walking with this flickering flame everywhere, uh, and it's like spooky, and it's mysterious, there's a mystique, and all the kids are following behind. So is that the right way of doing B'dikas Chamitz? Well, the Mishnah says, by candlelight. Shulchan Aruch says, by candlelight. At the same time, why by candlelight? Because candlelight is a way of, a very, the best way of getting concentrated light into the, where you need to search for the Chamitz, which is Chayrin Yistokin. Cracks under, under, under the sofa, under the furniture, um, under, under, under the, uh, the, the, the china cabinet, under the beds. And to see you know, in the, all the little nooks and crannies, the nooks and crannies, so you want a candlelight, which is a constant, gives you a concentrated beam of light. We know you can't do it during the daytime. The sunlight washes things out too much, uh, casts too many shadows. So you do it at night with a candlelight. So, so how far does that go in modern day times? I mean, candlelight, on, 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 uh, on the one hand, yes, it it's, gives you, a, you know, more concentrated light, and you can get into the nooks and crannies more so than sunlight, which casts shadows and washes out where, where the areas that you're trying to see. Um, but what about leaving the overhead lights on? What about, you know, do you have to have a very dark, spooky atmosphere? You have to have all the lights in the house off and go around with this flickering candle. Um, and do you need a candle altogether? I mean, nowadays we have other uh, forms of light. We have other, we have other devices that can shine light that are, that are not candles, that are called flashlights. Um, and when I was a kid, yeah, they were called flashlights. Now they're called um, smartphones. Smartphones. Now, uh, I'll give you, like, and can project a beam of light to uh, wherever it is you want, it, you want to check. So, does it have to be candlelight? Can it, or can it be a flashlight? Can we substitute this modern-day invention called a flashlight? And not only that, we can make an argument for the flashlight. A flashlight, one of the reasons why it was brought down, you have to use a candle, not, not a torch. Torches, you know, multiple wicks all, all, uh, all braided together. It has to be a candle, not a torch, because if you're using a torch, it's huge 
torch, we're afraid you're not going to do the bedika properly because you're, you're afraid you're going to burn your house down. So you're not really going to get under the furniture properly. You're not looking for the chametz properly because you're going to afraid of the open flame. So by, 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 by that argument, one would continue that and say, so we shouldn't use open flames at all. Don't use a candle fire. I can use a flashlight, right? I'm going to be much, I'm going to be much more uh, diligent with my flashlight than I am with my candle, even though a candle is not as, as dangerous as a, as a torch. But a, 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 a flashlight presents no danger at all. So should we be... Hey, two questions. Should, uh, the, the overhead lights, the, the, the lights, the house lights, incandescence, the fluorescence, the LED lights that we have in our house, should they be on or off? And should we be using flashlights instead of candles? So let's address those questions uh, in that order. In terms of the overhead lights, the, all the place can say nowadays that A, there's no issue in leaving the lights on in the house, and B, they actually should be left on. You should leave your lights on in the house when you do Badika's chametz because they don't interfere with the Badika. If anything, they facilitate. They help you with the Badika. You can see better with your lights on. And it's not like the only light that, that our sages tell us cannot be used for Badika's chametz is sunlight. Sunlight, that's why you don't do it in the daytime because the sunlight, sun is, is a very powerful source of light. And it, it, it floods your house. It washes out the visibility in nooks and crannies where you're trying to see. You can't see so well. It, 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 there's too much of a contrast when the sunlight comes into your house between the, the light that's, that's in the living room and, and, and the shade, the shadows and darkness that's under the couch. So you can't use sunlight, but the, uh, our, our um, ambient lighting that we have in our house, our overhead lights don't have that effect. They only enhance the bedika, so you one should, uh, there's two different ways this is presented. Some place can say you could leave it on, some place can say you should leave the lights on, and that's in general the way to do it. The right way to do the bedikas, don't shut all the lights off. Yeah, it's fun for the kids, it makes things spooky and mysterious, but there's other ways of making things spooky and mysterious for your kids without you know, compromising halacha. You, know, you do a better bedika when the lights are on. A, leave the lights on. Leave all the lights in the house on. You, you want to make it cool and exciting when you start the mitzvah, okay, shut the lights on. But it's not halachically... Uh, I, we didn't talk about the candle yet. We're talking about the overhead lights right now. I said we have two questions. We're addressing them one at a time, Rebbe Mix. Good, all right. We appreciate the excitement, though. Anyway, so you should leave the overhead lights on. It's recommended. You do a better bedika. You can see your house better when the overhead lights are on. Now... What about Rabbi Max's question, which is also the second question that we asked? What if, should you be using a candle? Should you be using a flashlight? Right? Chazal say candle, not a torch, because we're afraid of open flames. Nowadays, we have flashlights. Those are even better than candles. So, here things are a little bit tricky. Um, if we go with the, the rationale that our sages provide us with, which is that we want a concentrated beam of light that has the least concern, the least risk to your house, so we really should be going with a flashlight. That makes the most sense because as, 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 as um, um, good as a candle is over the torch, but the flashlight beats the, the candle hands down any day in terms of satisfying our sages' concerns. So really we should be doing with a flashlight. Uh, whatever a candle can do, a flashlight can do even better in terms of getting the, the visibility into all those nooks and crannies under the furniture without any risk of, of, of fire hazards at all. At the same time, at the same time, now here's where, where people are a little bit cautious. Um, the sages mention a candle. And B'dikas Chametz, we know like all aspects of halacha, any aspect of halacha, um, and, and Torah has multiple, multiple levels of, 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 of meaning and, and, and important and, and uh, significance. And the candle is there to accomplish the, the, the uh, just technical aspects of searching for chametz, but there's also Kabbalistic aspects in using candles. There's Kabbalistic concepts with flame and, and a person's soul, and people are reluctant. 
because of this halachic authorities, Paiskim are reluctant to say, okay, forget about the candle, just use a flashlight because it's better, because there's, there's Kabbalistic implications and significance to using a flame as well. And, and since our sages always mention a candle, we are reluctant to say, you know, we know better and a flashlight's going to work better. But at the same time, a flashlight does work better. So what does one do? So a good God-fearing Jew really would be uh, okay and appropriate to do the following. Start off, this is what Rabbi Max was actually alluding to early, start off your badika with, with, with the candle. Make the bracha holding the candle. And do your first, we say Dalad Amis, your first eight feet or so, check with the candle for the first, get started with the candle, make the bracha holding the candle, let your kids see the candle. This is how Jews have been checking for chametz for thousands of years. Let them see the candle, make the bracha of the candle, do Dalad Amis with the candle, and then you blow out the candle, take your flashlight out of your pocket, and then continue the badika, the rest of the house, with a flashlight. That would be, the, the, the way to go. That way you're going to be doing a very effective bedico with the flashlight. You don't have to worry about the candle. But you satisfied this concept of the candle. You made the brach on the candle and you, you, you fulfilled the, the bedico. You start off the bedico with the candle. It's, it's brought down that um, earlier, earlier authorities, I'm assuming they had access to flashlights, but I can't say for sure. It's brought down that Shlomo Zaman, his son say, Shlomo Zaman Orbach, who's Makbid, he used the candle for the entire bedico's chametz. Now, I wasn't there. I didn't see what his badikas chametz looked like. I don't know how long it took him. I don't know exactly where he looked and where he didn't look. But he took a candle all around. He got down on his hands and knees, his kids say. Even when he was older, he didn't let any of his kids do the badikas chametz. Shlomo Zaman Orbach got down on the floor with the candle. He looked everywhere. And it's brought down that one year, he was like under the bed, and he got a little too close to the candle. And he burnt off half his beard right before Pesach. <laughs> half his beard got burnt off with the candle. So uh, that's an interesting story. But uh, nevertheless, um, it, 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 what? <laughs> the next year, you say, yeah, here's the candle again. Here's the candle the next year also. So his personal minute was to, but they bring this down. Halicha Shleiman, his the safer that they of Piske Halacha. Halicha Shleiman, they bring down that one year he burnt off. He got a little too close to the candle. The beards are flammable, and flame spreads up beards pretty quickly. Uh, they got it out. He got it out before you know was, uh, took off the other half. But he his personal practice is used to, to use a candle on the entire. Uh, house, but again, it's okay if one wants to start with a candle and switch over to the flashlight, that's besated. But one should start with a candle. You should start with a candle. Only start with a flashlight? Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. I, mean, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, in general, you can start with Dalit Amis. You can do it without, without any fire hazard. You know, don't go anywhere dangerous with a, with a candle. You can start off. Okay. Um, yeah, a couple more things. Um, um, <clears throat> so we know there's, there's, there's a custom to put out 10 pieces of bread. Some of you may have gotten up to that part over here. There's a custom to put out 10 pieces of bread before the bedikas chametz. Um, and uh, the kids have a fun time, fun time hiding the, the, the bread. And uh, it's brought down the, the, uh, the, 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 this practice, this custom of um, you know, having your kids hide the, the bread. So just a few things about this practice of hiding the bread. Um, first of all, make sure your kids write down where they put all the bread. Okay? They're, they're hiding the chametz, but uh, and, and, and it's very fun. It's big. It's, you know, they're, they're challenging. They're testing their fathers. Their father going to find everything. And usually, you know, you're not going to find everything because your kids will hide these pieces of chametz in wacky places you're never going to think of looking. Places you're not obligated to look for chametz. So there's, it's very clear what? They get lost, that's right. Everyone has their own personal horror stories about, you know, the Chalmite Pesach finding, uh, finding the chametz up there on top of the linen cabinet, you know. So 
that your kids will hide chametz in places that you're not obligated to look for chametz. And they don't know the halachas, they just know it's like a scavenger hunt that you're going on. So make sure your kids either remember or write it down. Have one of the older kids go around with the younger kids writing down where all the, the location of all the pieces of bread. Um, I'm telling you, you're not going to find them. You're not going to find all ten. You're not going to find all ten. Um, second of all, it is recommendable, and I would say, you know, it's not, we can't say this is, this is obligatory, but halachically very, very recommendable to make sure that when they wrap up those pieces of chametz, each piece should be less than a kazayas. Each piece should be less than a kazayas. Now, why is that? Why is that? So, it's like this. Why are we looking for chametz? We saw that the, 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 the Mishnah Baruch mentions two reasons why we're looking for chametz. We're looking for chametz, A, because even though we make a declaration that we declare all of our chametz null and void, ownerless, we're afraid that maybe, you know, we didn't say that with sincerity, and I have a whole box of pizza still in the freezer, I have all these chametz cereal sitting in my pantry, I really meant that, I really meant to declare, excuse me, null and void, like the dust, like the dust of the earth. Give me a break, this stuff is delicious, it's beautiful, it's yummy, I don't really mean it. So we're afraid that you didn't say your declaration with sincerity, so you have to look and hunt, search and destroy, make sure that there's nothing around. It may be maybe a gluska yafa, a loaf of bread, a piece of pizza, a calazone that you're not really going to declare null and void with sincerity. Also, we're afraid even if you made your declaration with sincerity, maybe you're going to find something in the Pesach and you're going to end up eating it. You're going to end up eating it. So even if it's null and void, you're still not allowed to eat chametz on Pesach even if it's ownerless. You're not allowed to own chametz on Pesach even, that you're not gonna, even if you're not going to eat it. You're not, gonna, not allowed to eat chametz on Pesach even if it's not owned by you. So what's the minimum size of chametz that you're not allowed to own? It's a kazais. If it's less than a kazais, you're actually, you're not, you're, 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 you're not triggering and violating the Torah prohibition of ownership of chametz if it's less than a kazais. So since one of the reasons that you're looking for chametz is because you want to make sure there's no chametz that's still in your ownership, in your possession, and, 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 and uh, that's why you're searching for chametz, you want to make sure that when your kids are hiding the chametz for you to find, they're not hiding something, they're actually going to end up violating uh, and being, being, being in violation of ownership of chametz on Pesach if you don't find the chametz that they hid. So as long as it's less than a kazais, even if you don't end up finding it, you're, you're, it's below the threshold of by your own, by your matzai, so you're okay, you're covered as far as that goes, yeah. Excellent question. Excellent question. Is it the total? Is it the total? Uh, like the, uh, you can't have chametz in possession that totals a, a, a kazais. Does it all add up? Or each piece on its own has to be less than a kazais? A kazais also, what is a kazais? Roughly about 30 grams, size of 30 grams, like a largest cookie is generally a kazais. But excellent question. Excellent question from? Steve. From Steve, friend of, friend of Jay Carp. Okay. Excellent question. So the truth is, it's not a, the, the answer is like this, it's not a yes or no, it, 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 it's dependent on a few factors. Um, in general, a piece of chametz that's isolated, that's sitting on its own, um, any piece of chametz on, is treated individually, so if, as long as each piece on its own is less than a kazayas, we don't add up the half a kazayas that I have, uh, that my kids hid um, you know, on, on, on top of the uh, on top of the break front, together with a half that they hid in their in the bottom of the, of the of the Lego box. We don't generally we don't add those up. So if each one on its own is less than the kazais, each one on its own is negated and and and, and uh, is insignificant, and uh, we don't have to. There's no cumulative. Um, well, one 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 one. So in general, we don't add them up. As long as each one is on its own, you're okay. However, if they're all in the common container, then the container actually does combine them. Then there's a combining effect. So if they're all in the Lego box, 
and there's a whole bunch of bags with each one with a half a piece of cookie, then you're in trouble. Uh, excellent question. Again, no, it has not a container. A container means something that's movable, something that can be picked up and transferred to different locations. Um, a house is not a container. Um, uh, a container means something uh, mobile. Very good question. Um, but a container doesn't have to be like a conventional container. It's something that we would consider a container. I think I've said this story before. There was one year we had a personal horror story. We did a great badika. We checked for chametz mamish. We, we, we did it, we could, you couldn't have done it any better. Then in the middle of Pesach, we had an unexpected, we were living in Eretz Yisrael in Israel, living in Israel at the time, we had an unexpected um, flash, uh, what do they call it, thunder, thunderburst, thunder, cladburst, cladburst. It really, it was, it was, it was a, a major downpour, which in Israel you don't usually have major downpours. Pesach time, but there was a major downpour, and my, we needed to put my kids' boots on. So we went to the back closet where my kids had their boots, and I took out one of the boots, and I heard some, uh, some, some alarming noises from inside the boot. You know, there was something, something shuffling around inside the boot. I turned the boot upside down, entire bag of, uh, it's called this bisley in aerosol. Here's super snacks, like this wheat, a wheat, a wheat snack. Came, a baked wheat snack came tumbling out of my kids' boots. They had like squirreled away, you know, uh, inside their boots. But for a rainy day. So we found this on Cholmite Pesach, a whole bag of bisley inside of the boot there. A whole bag of chametz, a whole bag of chametz. So the boot would also combine it. As in the, the, it doesn't have to be like, you know, like a container, that, something that we would call a container. A boot is also called a container. So it would combine all the chametz together. That was, that was uh, very scary. So now um, we checked the boots now also, the night of Bidikas chametz, we checked the kids' boots. If it's not in a common container, it doesn't combine. When, when do you want to smash it? Well, if you find chametz, you destroy it. Not in your house. You can go to. Uh, well, if you find once you find it on Yom Tov, you have to destroy it. You can't smash it on Yom Tov. If you find it on Yom Tov, you have to burn it, destroy it. Yeah. Okay, so there's, there's, there's two, we're, we're about to get back to this, very good question. Um, there's really, uh, why are we putting out the chametz? Why are we putting out the chametz? So the, there's a back and forth here in Shulchan Aruch that um, the, the, the Ramafers brings down the opinion that we're putting out the chametz in order to make sure the bracha shouldn't be a bracha levatala. We don't want it to be a bracha levatala. Um, the the Ramaf immediately um, disagrees with this. He says, even if you find nothing, it's not a bracha levatala because you're, you're fulfilling a, a decree from Chazal. The sages instituted that you have to check for chametz. So whether you find something or not, you have to check. Um, the the minig of the Ari of putting the ten pieces out is not in order to make sure your bracha won't be a bracha levatala, but it's based on um, Kabbalah, based on Kabbalistic um, concepts of chametz represents the Yetzir Hara, and when we're purging the chametz, we're purging the evil inclination, and there's ten levels of that, the same way there's ten levels of, of holiness, so that we're purging ten levels of it, so that actually doesn't require a kazais, because you're not doing it for so much for halachic purposes of bir chametz, you're doing it for kabbalistic purposes, so that's A, they don't have to be kazais, and B, even if we'll go with the argument of, um, uh, we want to be concerned with the bracha, the bracha aspect, to make sure that my, I'm going to have something destroyed, if, as long as all ten combined are, 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 are a kazais, even though 
Currently, each one on its own is, as we just answered Steve's question, each one on its own is not making prams for me in terms of owning chametz. But once I find them, I'm going to have a combined mass of chametz that's more than kazai. So the next day, I will be destroying more than a chametz worth of kazai. So the bracha will still take effect on that. So either way, you're okay. Kabbalistically, they don't have to be kazai. It's each one still has a, a, a status of chametz. Each one is something that you're not allowed to eat on Pesach. And in terms of the bracha, we will look at it as far as the next day when you are destroying it and there's a combined effect when you destroy it of a kazais. Um, but one last item, just very, very interestingly, this actually brings us to the final point over here. So we know that there's different time frames of doing the bedikas chametz. Um, most people do it the night before Pesach. The eve of, of, of before Pesach, the night of the 14th. This year it's going to be um, Thursday night. It's two weeks from this coming Thursday night. That's when... Uh, all of Klai Yisrael are going to be doing Batikas Chametz. There's a halacha that if someone's not going to be home for, Cham- for Pesach, if, you, if, you're, if you're going on vacation for Pesach, you, you're not going to be around, so you do your, your Batikas Chametz the night before you go. So let's say someone's going to Miami for Pesach, someone's going to, um, uh, you know, he's going on a, a luxury cruise for Pesach, and he's leaving a week before Pesach. The halacha is he does the Batikas before, the night before he leaves. That's when he checks his house. Okay? That's, that's a well-known halacha. And you don't make a bracha. It, no, if you sell it, you don't do a bedika. But if you're not going to be selling it, let's say someone else is going to be staying there, your kids are going to be staying there, or you're not selling it, you do the bedikas chametz the night before you go, whenever that's going to be, without a bracha, without a bracha. So if you do the bedikas chametz um, early, if you're doing an earlier bedikas chametz, not the night, but not of the night, not lel yudal. Let's say, again, people, there's plenty of people who, live in Israel, and they come back to their family for Yom Tov. They do B'dikas Chametz on their apartment, their dear in Israel before they come here. This custom of putting out the 10 pieces of bread, do you do that as well on, on, on an early B'dikas, or you only do it on, on the B'dikas of, of Lel Yodalit? So this is a question that the Pais can deal with, actually. The minig of the Ari, this minig of to put out the 10 pieces, is that something you do only when you're doing the B'dikas on the night of the 14th, or anytime you do your B'dikas Chametz? Anytime you do your B'dikas Chametz. What? If someone comes to us and says, I want to do the Ari, do I, need it? Do, I do it? When, when is the, how, how do we approach the minute of the Ari? Is it only on the night of the 14th, or is it any time you do it with the So we have to answer this here. He comes and asking us a question. Okay, well, he comes to us and he says, but I, I, want, to know, I want to know the truth. Truth with a capital T. That's not a good answer. We have to have answers. Right, okay, but we're, we're discussing this now all together. We're, we're, we can handle this question. We can handle this question. Yes, so we want to know the truth with a capital T. Is there an Indian? Is there room for this practice anytime you're doing the B'dikas Chametz, even when you're leaving early, or is it only instituted, this whole practice only on the 14th? So, so the truth is this is a discussion. There are opinions on both sides, and it really has to do with what we just spoke at. In other words, there is room that the whole idea of putting out the Chametz is linked to the bracha is linked to the bracha. That maybe it shouldn't be a bracha levatola, it shouldn't be a bracha that you're making in vain. If that's the case, it would only be on the night of the 14th, because that's the only time you make the bracha. If you make the, the, the vidika early, you don't make a bracha, so there'll be no room for this, for this practice to be applied, because you don't make a bracha then. Perhaps, though, if you say it's not connected to the bracha, it's for Kabbalistic reasons, for Kabbalistically, we want to put out the pieces of 10 bread, and it parallels the evil inclination, etc., all the, all the Kabbalah, then maybe there would be room to do it even if it's not the night of the 14th, even if I'm not making a bracha. So there are opinions on both sides. 
There are opinions and there's room to make the argument both sides. Common practice is only to put out the 10 pieces when it's the night of the 14th. That's common practice. So common practice is, if you're doing the badika early, so common practice is actually in favor of, Ravelli Bear was telling us to just ignore the whole thing and, and don't do it. Common practice, what we call the minaga oivam, common practice is only to put out the 10 pieces of bread when it's the night of the 14th and not to do it any other night. And actually some contemporary paiskim recommend that with another argument. There's another reason why they say it's recommendable to not to put out the 10 pieces of bread if you're not doing the night of the 14th. And that's why, in general, if, if, if you're not... If you're doing your B'dikas Chametz early, that, that indicates what? That, that you're not going to be around for Pesach. And you're doing the night before your flight. Anyone ever had to be in a situation like this where they had to do the B'dikas Chametz the night before because they were leaving, they were packing up? That, anyone that's lived in Israel and has come back to the States for Yom Tov or you're in the States, you're going to Israel for Yom Tov, people have been in the situation. You're doing it the night before. In general, when you're doing it the night before, you know, you have a flight the next morning. I remember one time when we were living in Israel, we came in for, for uh, Pesach to the States and we had a flight like 3 a.m. We had a flight 3, uh, I'm sorry, flight was like 5 a.m. We had to be in the airport 3 a.m. We had a, a taxi that was going to come in to pick us up 2 a.m. So that night, we had to do B'dikas Chametz, and we had a taxi coming in the middle of the night, and we had to go to the airport. So in general, people that are making a B'dika, doing their B'dikas Chametz earlier are, are in a big rush. They're in a big rush, and, and they're rushing to get out the door. They're rushing to get to the airport. So you're going to put out 10 pieces of bread with this guy who just has to get it over with and get out the door and get to the airport. There's much more of a concern, much more of a risk that he's not going to find all the 10 pieces because he doesn't have so much time, right? He's in a big rush. So it happens to be, A, the common practice is to only put out the 10 pieces of bread when it's night of the 14th when you make the bracha. And B, an argument, an additional argument is made for this that we don't want to do it when you're anyway in rush mode, in stress mode. And you're not really going to have the wherewithal and presence of mind to look properly for all those ten to go on the scavenger hunt. You know, the kids hid them, tucked them away in all kinds of crazy, wacky, insane places. Better off not putting out the ten pieces of bread when it's not the night of the 14th. Okay, we shall have a wonderful Pesach, and Jay Carp should have a wonderful birthday. Lots of happiness and success, and thank you all for joining. And a happy and kosher Pesach for everyone.